This is Talking in Circles. I am your host, Fumi Richards. Yes, uh, ladies, gentlemen, and all the, yeah, and everyone who loves us. Uh, you're welcome to another episode of the Talking in Circles podcast. In our last episode, we had four women join us to talk about being a financial woman and what money means to them. I know a lot of people have been asking, oh, I'm not really sure I can speak about money because I'm not really a money person. The Financial Woman series is a series of podcasts that talks about money and women's culture. I don't want to, to limit it and say just women's culture, but basically things that have affected our, our culture with money, how we spend money, earn money, talk about money, generally our relationship with money. But for this episode, this episode is basically talking about building streams of income, having, being able to monetize our products or whatever services we create or um, share with the world. Personally, I have my own views, of course. So yes, I just come with all of those that kind of views. I felt it would be really good to have some other women come join us and share their thoughts. We are actually doing this online, so everyone is sitting down at home. And it's a sunny day, if I do say so myself. I can't really understand this heat wave. But um, we're joined today. We have Nicole Winifred. So beyond knowing her as long as I have known her, because we went to the same boarding school, one of the reasons I decided to bring her um, series of the podcast is because she is someone I know personally who has built different streams of income from a few stack context. So she, one of the first things I knew about her, even back when we were in boarding school, was that she, she used to write. I think she's one of those people who inspired me, right? Inspired me into writing. So she Aww. writes. Don't, don't, don't be dramatic. Let's just <laughs> okay. So, so um, she she write. someone. Ah, yeah, it is actually. So she writes. She speaks. How many languages do you speak? Not sure. I haven't really counted them before. Probably nine or ten. You see, you see, can you see? So um, and it's not just it's not just the fact that she speaks those languages. She has that love for languages. It's the fact that you can also earn from it. So she is that person. And then very, very recently, she was also part of Tony Elumendu's mentorship program for International Women's Day. I feel like we should say something about the fact that well, this is Women's History Month and um, as much as possible, we're also trying to, re- we're trying to celebrate women. And so Grace is also someone that's very close to my heart. One of, I think... How I even knew her was um, a literary circle. I don't know. I think we met, or she was she was publishing her works. I can't remember what it was. But so I think my first official conversation with her was about her book. She's actually she's published Otto. Yes. So, but beyond all of that. Thank yes. you. Yes. So, but beyond all of that, she's also a photographer. She's also a student. Her photos actually got got um, exhibited at I think a gallery in Germany. And wow, so that's she's amazing. Really good. Yes. Yes. Very amazing. Very very amazing. Congratulations and again, Grace. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 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 So you see, so there's so many things about her. She's young. She's barely scratched surface and i don't say that because i'm old because i know i'm very very young but she likes to call me ma i don't know i hope she doesn't do that during this this podcast but context so but she's very young and she's achieving so much 
already so it's always very interesting to have this kind of conversation so moving back to what we're talking about today i mean i'm just saying that we have really wonderful ladies here who are doing amazing one thing i'd like to hear first from from both of you is how do you do it winifred let's take let's start with you i mean you studied engineering and then you're doing so many other things today and they're not even first of all engineering is not really a common thing quote unquote with the female i think there were how many how many ladies did you have in your class in, well just in, five up uh, about 200 people who were just five girls so you see so how do you do it challenging the norm i'll say uh i grew up being different in this you know um I, I'm always on the different side. You know, there is this passion I get in doing things people don't do. And honestly, that was what drove me into engineering. That's the truth. <laughs> it may sound insane, but there were not a lot of women there. And I hated biology and I wasn't a fan of chemistry. So physics, mathematics, that was how I ended up in uh, mechanical engineering. Then, <clears throat> yeah, that was, as a child, I barely knew anything then. I had this thing about, uh, you know, being able to afford things when I wanted them and not having to beg for it. And somehow it kept channeling all my thoughts to how do you make this money? How do you make this money? Because one, I don't even have a lot of friends. So most times it's just me on my own by myself. And I don't like disturbing my mom most of the time. You know, it will make me tell little Thing. She's a single parent, five kids, and I just say she does really well. So probably you should invite her to your show sometime. I think it just takes a uh, focus, right? Determination, knowing what it is you want. And for me, being different, I, I do a lot of things, mostly because I like them, right? I see someone playing table tennis today and I watch them for three seconds and I start to get interest. The next thing I'm picking up is that. The next thing I see someone in a badminton court, I want to pick it up. Oh, this person is learning tech. I want to learn this. You know, it's it's also a, a problem for me, I must say, because I tend to try everything that comes around me. And of course, you know, jack of all trades, master of none of some. <laughs> I tend to pick bits and bits and bits. And uh, how I do it, back to the main question, is uh, having a passion for whatever it is you do and thinking yes you love this thing but love alone does not put food on your table you have to find a way to earn from what it is you love doing there was a quote i saw sometime i'm not sure who said it again it said if you know how to do something never do it for free of course there is the charity aspect of it but the point there is um, to monetize what it is you do as long as you're not cheating people i used to write like uh, fumi said from my primary school actually i think the first gift award i ever won i was 10 it was for storytelling but it was just for fun right i always wrote have people read i've lost most of them i don't even remember most of them when I got into the university, of course I was still writing, then Facebook was like, ooh, I was always writing short things as it came into my head and posting. Then one day someone came up to me and he wanted a script, uh, it was a short movie script and yeah, he was my friend and I wrote the script for him, right? Towards the end he said, 
what would I charge? And actually, that was the first time it occurred to me to charge for writing because usually I write things for people, not always stories this time. You know, I help with assignments, I help them proofread and edit, but it never occurred to me mostly there were my friends and, you know, people referred by my friends. So I never really thought about making money from it. When he asked what I was going to charge, the question uh, it took me off balance. I didn't know what to say. I thought about it and uh, the guy is Indian. So I charged him 3,000 rupees. <laughs> and funny thing, funny, the funny twist to the story, he ended up cheating me, but I learned something from it. Don't work for free. Of course, like I said, there's a charity, there's a volunteer, and if you know you're going for that, you know that's what you're trying to do. But when you volunteer so much, you find out that you spend your youth volunteering for people, and you end up having nothing for yourself. The next thing you know, you're 30, you're 35, and you've had nothing. You didn't make money, you didn't make a name, nothing. You were just volunteering. So while you do uh, the volunteering service, you should also think, how do I earn? How do I make money from my life? Not necessarily where you volunteer at, but you know, women have this thing of where <laughs> urgent to care, women always take. But then, of course, people like free things. I don't think there's anyone who doesn't. But then there is this joy and satisfaction that you get when you get to pay for your own stuff. Oh you are just stranded and your slippers cut or something and you could just walk into a store or something and pick up a new one. If you haven't attained this level of financial freedom, I don't think you might actually get what I'm saying in that sense. The desire, the need to be able to afford things you need when you need them. Yeah, I'm not talking about wants because yeah, I'd like to have a private jet, but hello. Being able to afford things you need Sorry, you want to say something? No, I'm not saying anything. That just like, I mean, I think everyone's on that boat. We want, we want to have a private jet. We want to have a private jet, not just private jets. It is impossible to have an airline. That's also not a bad idea. Have a yeah. That's beautiful. Hello. But when you get when you get things you need, right, to be able to afford them. Because, you know, you need them. Like the instance I gave with the footwear where you're like stranded. Or let's say you happen to visit a, a, for a strange city and you had just one person there who you were going to put up with. And then when you got there, you're calling this person. The number is not going for one reason or the other. And then you end up being stranded. There should be this satisfaction and calmness that comes with. Sure, I could just hook up in a hotel. You know, just walk in, pick a room you can afford and relax. Maybe if you're there for a long time and the person ends up uh, getting back to you, you can move. So it's, I mean, we cannot really start to, you know, talk about the financial freedom. Or imagine a situation where you're here, you're stranded and you happen to know no other person in that city. I don't know. To me, I would be... I don't use devastated, but I'll freak out. Monetizing. I, think, I, I totally understand. Yeah, I, I think I understand where you're coming from. I think it, I think there's that, oh, okay, the need for financial freedom is a very valid point. Because so I think I, I understand the need for financial freedom. Funny, Funnily enough, I had this... Um, I moved to a new place quite recently. And 
a new town, not just a new place, but a new town. And one of the first things, because I, I moved to the new town and I was in that space where I was emotionally drained. So I was um, living with a relative. And I think, okay, so backstory is I've, I've always walked. I've walked since I was like 14, 15 and things like that. So that that emotional time was the first time that I kind of stopped walking. So it was a very odd time for me not being able to afford, I mean, sanitary wear. Like, um, we really need to push that ministry of making sure that sanitary wear is free, just as contraceptives and all of those other things. But that's moving from the context of this conversation. Grace, um, tell me, what inspired you to go into photography? I mean, you were already writing, you had already published. What inspired you to not just say, oh, okay, I'm a writer, this is what I do. Why don't I just... And then you decided, okay, I want to do this also. So what what, what inspired you? I would say, I would like to say the whole financial journey, yeah, I would say thanks to my sister. Because I remembered when I was in secondary school, my sister was like, always, don't finish your pocket money. Have something, keep something. <laughs> when you come back home, okay, today, when you're going back to school, tell your parents, okay, don't buy me socks. I have money to buy socks or don't buy me powder. I have money to buy powder and all that. And then I was like, okay, maybe this lady is just punishing me or something. But then there was this joy, you know, I always feel happy. Okay, I'm able to afford this. My parents don't have to spend money on this. And I'm like, okay. So um, like not stressing them on this particular stuff. So, well, what made me go into photography? I started out in a private school. That's um, Joseph Ayababal. University at Washington State and when I went there originally the first thing I wanted to learn was shoemaking why because we had just one shoemaker in the whole of the school service uh, rendering service to both the boys and the girls and when this guy goes to school just forget it your shoe should get spoke that is it you have to probably get a new one because there's nobody to fix it until he comes back so I'm like okay if I learn this stuff I'll be able to fill in the gap when the guy is not around. Then I said, okay, photography, I just liked what um, other photographers were doing, like in school, they do photography. And then I'm like, okay, how much do they charge? And they told me the price. I'm like, you mean like just snap picture like this? <laughs> they are collecting that kind of money and all that. So I came back home after 100 level, I came back home and I told my parents that I didn't want to go back to the school. Yeah, due to some reasons and they were like okay why don't you want to go back and I'm like this is it and I don't want to go back and I was like okay as in the meantime let me just learn a skill I don't mind writing jam again but definitely not a private school that is affiliated to a church that was the um, problem so I told my mom I would learn these are the skills I want to learn I want to learn shoemaking then photography is the second and then funny things, I started looking for like a place to learn shoemaking and I didn't find anywhere. So that day my mom was coming back from work. She was like, okay, girls, I saw a photo studio. You should go and learn there. And I'm like, okay, like there are photo studios close to the house. Why that particular one? She's like, she just passed, she was just passing by and something just told her that I should learn there. So I went there, I spent learning, like, you know, just like the whole normal and how everybody learns photography. And then I'm like, okay, 
it's that so I don't know makes sense I just like developed the um, whole passion even though at first I hated the theory parts you know where they are teaching me about ISO and all those stuff but when it comes to the practical aspects I just want to do it and all that and then I feel like it gives me an opportunity to be very very creative so I started out as a studio photographer I got to a point that my boss would just leave me like sometimes for like two days he wouldn't even come to the studio he showed that everything it's okay but when I went back to school, I finally got, like, I finally was able to transfer to the government school. When I went there, I was like, okay. Now, the thing is that everybody likes free things. That is the thing. Everybody likes free things. But then I said to reason, my camera is not free. The skill, I know, I knew how much I spent to learn the photography skill. It's not free and all that. I was like, okay, so let me just, you know, just like the normal roadside photographers, let me do the whole so on right and all that so i started out like that but like they said friends and families are the ones that usually kill businesses and all that but um the i don't know the main reason let me just go straight to the point yeah the main reason was that i have got like this kind of fulfillment from just taking pictures and there are like sometimes that okay yeah i write there are sometimes i don't have ideas like the whole writer's block and all that but somehow somehow when I pick up my camera, I'm able to like express myself better through my pictures. So there's this particular thing I always say is that photography gives me a voice when I cannot talk. So if I'm not writing, if there's an idea in my head, if I cannot pen it down, my photos should be able to pick when my pen cannot speak. So that's what like just made me like the whole head deep into photography. So basically, that is it. So, but but your own kind of photography is not something that's quite common. At least I don't think it's quite common here in Nigeria because you're a documentary photographer. What was the inspiration behind changing, like, from being a studio photographer to something like that? Okay, for me, it's fulfillment. Yeah, like everybody, almost everybody is a studio photographer. Almost everybody does like the whole conventional photography. But then in as much I was doing all those and I was making money, I don't know. I just felt, you know, I just felt unfulfilled. That's just the truth. And then there's this stuff I always tell God. I'm like, God, if it's not my purpose, if it's my, like, if it's something you want me to be doing, drag me, no matter, I don't, I should not be able to explain how I'm doing it, but I should be doing it. So I noticed that when I started doing like foot, um, documentary photography, I had this joy and peace. And I'm also able to relate to people, like talk to them, have deep, deep conversations. I'm also able to learn about their culture and all those things. I feel like, okay, yeah, basically fulfillment. Fulfillment was what made me like just go to the whole documentary photography and all that. And then, you know, I don't know, but then I feel like at the end of the day, that was when like, oh, I even started getting recognized. Unlike when I was doing the studio photography, I was just doing it basically for the money. But yeah, documentary, I was doing it because of the fulfillment that comes with it. So, but how do you get funding for documentary photography, especially given a current client? Okay, so it's not like I don't do other kind of photography. I do other kind of photography, like I still do events. Currently, I'm an official photographer to a senior advocate of Nigeria. So I still do all those things. But then like the major things I do, like I do the photography then, definitely you need money to buy lens, you need money to buy battery and all those things. So I do the whole side hustle to be able to fund the um, documentary photography. 
and okay. then also I've also like sorry to interrupt um, and also sometimes when I go for like competitions and all that when I put my photos out I'm able to get money so if, even if I don't come out as the best but somehow somehow from it there's always like a cash prize or something for the first second third and I'm also able to get funds from that so what you're saying basically is your passion is documentary photography and it's something that gives you fulfillment but sometimes it, it might not pay as much as you would like it to especially given our client because i know a few people who, who do documentary photography outside probably in the us and the uk and it, it's a beautiful thing so but with with funding your passion has also made you look out for other projects that could fund you while allowing you to the time that you would like with your passion i think i'm getting that right yeah yeah that's it okay so i think basically we've already covered a whole lot nicole has said so much for those who might be wondering yes this is still talking to Nicole's podcast and on this episode we have nicole winifred and um, grace abenke they're two they're two really interesting humans let's not just say women but they are women also and i think personally i didn't even know as much as they've already shared i mean it's it's always easy to just see oh, okay when you follow people on social media it's always easy to to hear or think that you know them but most most of the time you don't actually know as much as to what's going on and what is driving them nicole has said something about the need for financial freedom and grace has also said a whole lot as to the need for purpose vision and also the need to fund your passion as a photographer grace have there been times when you've sent in your work or something or portfolio to someone with the hope of getting a job as probably the person is of the official photographer and just because of the fact that you're a woman you've been turned down has there been any instance like that okay for me i wouldn't say even though like okay yeah when i go to work sometimes people are like you know she's a woman maybe i want to take a shot a guy will come and push me and all that but to say I sent in my portfolio or something and like the condi- like the um, excuse or why they're not giving me the job is because I'm a woman, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it has happened to me. No, it hasn't happened to me. But like on the field, hi, all these male photographers. Hey Jesus. You want though, you know, because they feel like they are stronger than you. So most times they want to intimidate you. I've also had people tell me that um Photography is a man's job. Why am I, why am I doing photography? On other whole, I, from the people that give me the money, I've not like had any issue for the fact that I'm a woman. Another challenge I have when I'm on the field, you know, I don't know, I don't know if it's common with African men or common with men in general. Some people begin to make passes to you. I've gone to an event and like the guy after telling me that he wants to give me a walk and all those things, he gave me his number, I even called him like, guy, okay, when are we having the walk and all that? And the next thing is like, I don't know where, what puts the idea in him that I'm like, I'm doing work for sex, I'll be what I don't understand. So he's still making passes and all those things. So on that, I get that a lot. Then also the whole intimidation from um, your fellow male colleagues. I get that a lot. So, so but aside that, I'm not sure I've had any major issue. Okay, so Nicole, um, okay, let's go back to the time, your time as an undergrad. What kind of challenges, apart from the fact that out of 200 and something, you, you were only five, what kind of challenges did you experience 
in that time were there, were there times when oh okay they're trying to pair you guys in groups or things like that and then someone would say oh they don't want a woman on the group are you kidding me boys always want girls around them <laughs> oh okay I, yeah, they always want the not, not for the reason I'm not thinking about. <laughs> yeah, they always want. <laughs> they always want girls in their group. So um, the girls here, I mean, my department, we're kind of hot. I mean, academically, you know, mentally, we're kind of hot. And me specifically, I kind of choose the people I talk to. So whenever I talked to anyone, it was a great deal for them. Oh, she's talking to me. So I didn't face that challenge much. Personally, I, I have always had guys around me. My, I am the only daughter of a number of boys. I had gotten used to having guys around and being the only girl in the circle. Okay, so this there's this trick. Well, not really a trick, but backstory is the fact that I could do everything a guy could do in my, in my mother's house. So if it was Turn on the gen, drag the gen, everything. Service the gen, I did it. Wash car, I wash car. Fix something in the house. Elisa enters the house, I've killed it. It made like it made me feel like I was one of the guys. And I never felt like there was anything less. And maybe that's just me. But I think getting uh-huh. out and going into that's, that's very valid. <laughs> You know, sometimes when you spend a lot of time with a particular group of people, both you and them start seeing you like them. Okay. Like, when I was in school, I had this uh, group of guys with my classmates. We're almost always together. And, you know, sometimes when people who are not um, my classmates like them, when they're having, you know, the whole guys conversation, and then the guys are trying to hush them because I'm there, you know, like a woman is here, then this particular one promised, he looks at me and then goes, Nicole doesn't count, you know. It's like they see me as one of the guys, so it's it's it's, it's very normal. Yeah, for real, it's, it's very normal. Yeah, think, you I find think... that you do things they do that you know you most times you don't get to identify, not identify. Maybe you don't get to do the whole girly thing, girl Exactly, exactly. Because it, it was quite it was quite quite hilarious when I think in my final year, just when I was about to uh, as I was putting my project together, if another friend of mine and I were having this conversation, like okay, we're waiting to see our project supervisor, and one of the yeah, one of my my male friends was like they were talking no one of them and then another guy they were like gisting about something and then my own male friend was not like oh that's Fumi Fumi is not one of those kind of people like this one because they were talking about mood swings and all of those things and my friend was like Fumi does not does not even count in that kind of conversation because it's the way you see her today that's the way she'll be tomorrow she doesn't have time to come and be doing all of this oh I'm annoyed I'm just I don't have that strength and I was just when he said it, I was like, okay, okay, I get this, but I don't really get this. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, people see, you know, it's more subconscious, if you ask me. It's more subconscious. You don't even know you don't do those things. You know, when it keeps, when it keeps stretching, people see you, but you don't know. And, you know, sometimes when they tell you, of course, you go defensive. No, I am not. But when you sit down and actually analyze the situation, you find out, wow, these guys are so right. So it, 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 it happens. For real. For real. And then when, when I left, like I said, when I moved to a new town and, okay, backstory. Another backstory is the fact that my mom had reached the point where something will be wrong with the gen. She won't call my brother as well. Or like, 
all of us are around for the holidays. She won't call any of my brothers. Let's say she just shouts, for me, go and fix, go and find out what's wrong with the gen. It seemed like one of those moments where it's just because of the fact that I'd been the person who had set up the gen, everything. So it just seemed sensible. Until I moved to a new town and then my brother, my, okay, my brother and my sister and I were having this conversation. And then my, I think something happened and then the gen went off. And then I quickly rushed to go and fix it. And then my sister and I was like, Ah, what am I doing with the gen? This one, this one, this one. And my brother was like, Is it this one you're talking about? This one is the person I used to manage the gen in my brother's house. That's the person you're telling this small gen. That's what is stopping that. Please let that go. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, Okay, point taken. I've had moments like that. Because of those kind of moments, I don't, I don't always relate to those kind of challenges because I always feel like, ah, uh, I can do those things. It's now, I, I think over the last two years, I've gotten a bit lazy because moving to a new place, I had, okay, there's a security man in my compound. So I can just say, oh, okay, help me fix this. Then I think yesterday there was no light and then I wanted to poof, poof load in the tent. And I, I was trying to put it and he was like, oh, that you can do it. And I was like, yeah, I know you can do it. I can do it too. Don't make it seem as if no, you're falling from the sky. I can do it. So, but it's always very interesting when I see women do things that a lot of men or men have been known to do and um, especially doing it well. I mean, like Grace was just talking about how she had done it so well that her boss would just decide, oh, for two days, he's not coming to work because he, he's just comfortable that and he's confident that someone at, at the workplace is doing it and doing it well. So it's I I think it's I think it's always very interesting to have this kind of this kind of conversations and know that yes there's this is happening and um, women are doing right. I have another guest on this show. Hello, uh, my name is Rita Ebujiro, but I am popularly referred to as Queen Rita. I am a broadcast journalist. I have been working as a broadcast journalist for 17 years professionally. That's post-graduation, but I actually started broadcasting since I was in school. So if you were to put that together, I would say uh, well over 20 years because since the year 2020, I have been on television and now television radio alternatively as the case may be. So yes, that's what I do. And I recently became an author as recent as well over a year ago. Became an author. I uh, published a book, a memoir, Queen Rita, From the Rough Edges to Becoming the Queen. I am also a professional event compare or MC if you like. Um, that is something I do. I don't want to call it on the side because it's pretty much what I do, you know. So you can call it an extra stream of income, but I compare events, moderate um, trainings, uh, speak at events. So I work both as a coach, a speaker, and a compare and broadcast journalist. Being an author has been really empowering both for me and for the people whom I mentor. Uh, because, you know, it's one thing for you to be able to speak about issues. Uh, in my case, I wrote a memoir. It's one case to be for you to be able to speak about issues surrounding your upbringing and talk about them because you remember. And it's another for you to be able to document it and actually put it in a book. And I, I realized that though I did not see this coming when I started, you know, putting pen to paper and writing this book, it uh, brought some form of 
more clout, if you like, to my personality and um, opened more doors for me and has helped me to impact more. Just this International Women's Day, I was at an event with the Helpline Foundation where they exhibited, um, had an exhibition for women, indigent women, widows that they've organized training for. I volunteer with the Helpline Foundation, by the way. While I was there, a mother walked up to me and said, oh, you're Queen Rita? I said, yes, I am, ma'am. And she said, well, can I have your phone number? My daughter read your book and she's been wanting to speak with you. Your book has really inspired her. So she's so fired up uh, to, to be what she wants to be. And encounters like that just gladdens my heart. And that's just one out of several. I've received phone calls. I've seen posts of young girls, young boys who've read the book and, and talked to me about how it has inspired them. So one thing about me as a person is I love to be able to touch life. It is where I draw my source of joy from, apart from my family. The next thing that gives me joy is knowing that whatever I do or say or give or receive as case may be, would bring joy to somebody, will impact someone's life and career positively. So being an author has added to that value for me. I'm grateful for it and I hope to do more. I'm currently working on my second book. Yeah. They say writing is addictive. I guess it's true in my case. Well, I will not exactly say that financial need is a priority. Um, passion for me is a priority because I value my mental health. I value my happiness. And if something would bring me a lot of money, but it will not make me happy, I probably will not do it. Me being in this career path actually spring from the fact that I have a passion for what I do. But of course, you're right in the sense of uh, passion without payment can and not put food on your table. So yes, I have over the years been able to um, monetize my passion. Um, of, of course, I get paid as a broadcast journalist being on air. I get paid as an event compare. But there are times when I do this and I don't get paid for it and I do it that deliberately. If the program is for a cause that I want to support and uh, I can go all out to say, oh, what are the things I can do? I'm going to donate ABC number of book. I will be able to speak at that event. Ordinarily, I should be paid for speaking i could do it for free uh, as it were if it's a cause i'm interested in you know putting a penny into to make sure that the impact that this organization really requires happens however um women needs to be need to be and professional generally but specifically women need to be conscious of the fact that if they are not careful people would exploit their seeming generosity or lack of awareness for a better word or a better phrase to use on how to price their 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 talent on how to price their services. We need to be very conscious of that fact. So it's important we talk to ourselves. As a lady, I speak to other people who do event compare. Others have called to ask me, Rita, how much do you charge for a wedding, for instance? How much do you charge for a training? How much do you charge if someone invites you to come and speak at an event? So I, my answer always that is varies. I can charge as high as 500,000. I can charge as low as 50,000 naira, depending on what the event is. How long is this event? Is it an hour? Is it two hours? Is it, is it an all day? event you know um what does what does the event require of me there are all the other things you need to put in place and uh i have not had a direct experience of being on the prize because i'm a woman the situation i found myself is is a very different scenario i have arrived a wedding where um, i emceed before and when i arrived one of the organizers naturally when you arrive at an event you're emceeing you want to familiarize yourself with the environment i was asking to speak with the dj so I know, okay, whether it's very much in tune with the songs that the couple wanted and we can at least just synergize. These are the people
people you interface with if you want to MC an event or a wedding for that matter you need to work closely with the DJ work closely with the chairman of course you need to know the couple understand them are the family to some extent where are they from uh, what are the kind of jokes that will normally not it's not compulsory you should throw in jokes but if you need to make a, a light statement during the course of the event you have to be sure that it's not done in bad taste depending on who what culture these people are from so all of these are things you need to know and the, the last thing I was doing that it was trying to familiarize familiarize myself with the DJ and of course one of the organizers who was on ground and one of the organizers again I, I don't think I got to know his name eventually asked oh are you the MC is it a woman that is the MC I looked at him in the face and I said yes I am the MC and yes it is a woman that is the MC people uh, sometimes feel like it's inappropriate for a woman to MC certain events I, I don't know why in 2000 and I think that was 2009 or so or 2000 and yeah 2009 was 2019 people would think in that manner but you still have situations where people tend to feel like oh a man should be the one handling this particular job description or that and it's not different when it comes to comparing events or even being a manager in a broadcast organization for that matter so how do you go around this do it do it well that's how you go around it you don't talk to people to say oh i can do it i'm a woman when you get the opportunity nail it 150 percent and tell you what i got another job from that event and eventually the same person came to the and said well done madam i'm like you're welcome you know did i get paid for that event yes of course i got paid i didn't just get paid i got referrals from that event why because i brought my egg in here is the thing the thing is you may never know whether a man doing the same job is paid more some companies um have their own you know pay structure others is based on how well you can negotiate your way up and uh, some employers rightly like by rightly i mean just like you have asked will tend to price a female down compared to how they would price a male who is doing the same job whether it's an office job whether it's an event you're comparing or whether it's a form of service that you're rendering so what is the way around this know what you want know what industry pricing for that service is beyond what the industry pricing for that service is know what you're worth know that you have value so how to do this is you need to also put value in what you do by that don't just say i'm an mc and that's it constantly update yourself on what is the now in this particular industry whether it's media you're working or whether it's any other sector you need to update yourself all the time and be at the top of your game wow my 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 that, those were some really really powerful insights thank you so much queen rita mm. what what would you say you've learned um okay nicole has said something as to the fact that oh okay you, but even if you can do something don't do it for free and um of course with the indian guy cheating her and things like that but um what would you say you've learned aside from all of that grace um what would you what would you say you've learned in building streams of income i would say you should always have a knowledge of a thing before you go into it you know for let's say for example something like crypto now you know they're like i think up to now crypto is still like dipping and all that and people are shouting i put so and so amount i put so and so amount i feel like if they have like a better understanding all this noise and everything they are saying will not be there so for me i personally i don't go into things without at least doing a bit of research no matter how little the knowledge you have i feel that's what makes the difference between you and somebody that does not do his homework 
or just shows up without an idea of what this thing is supposed to be. Then also another thing I've learned is to be consistent. It's not easy. I think there was a time I stopped doing photography for like a whole year. I was tired, you know, and then everybody's like, okay, she again now. Sometimes people even call, okay, I want to are you a female? And like, okay, that is it. But like the fact that you keep showing up also makes a difference. And sometimes I see them like I know where I'm coming from, where I'm coming from, where I am now. There's actually a clear difference. So just be consistent and have knowledge of what you want to do and what you are doing. What's to live by? Um, Nicole, your thoughts. What what lessons have you learned in the journey? I mean, and and I feel like I haven't even listed all of the things that you do. But <laughs> tell us four of them. Don't don't give us all of it because I know there are so many more things that we've discussed so far, but Tell us at least four things you do and then tell us the lessons you've learned from doing them or doing business within those areas. Alright. Um well uh I'm a teacher. I guess we didn't sell there. We didn't say anything about that. I'm a language teacher. And uh you know one thing I have learned from teaching languages, teaching generally is humans. You can never get enough of them. <laughs> there are there are there's something you say in Igbo that chukun uh, were like people day in Pigeon. People day when you you have your plans. Okay, I'm just gonna get online. I teach online. You just gotta get online. These are your plans. Okay, you have 12 students in this class. Okay, they're just gonna be there. Sometimes you walk in there and see only one person. Oh, the other 11 didn't take permission or tell you they're gonna be late or something and. You know, at a situation like this, what do you do? It's usually a challenge. It's like when you're expecting to speak in front of the whole school and you come out and you see only probably just a few of just one students. It's, it makes you feel, oh, am I not doing the right thing? Or did people not know I was supposed to speak? Or am I that uninteresting? And oh, but then you learn that there are humans and you can't control what they do. Of course, there are external factors that also affect their choices, their decisions and their actions, but you can't control humans. Now I'm putting this out there in business like that. You can decide and plan what you do, what you want to do, what you plan to do, right? But then when you head out there, everything could just turn upside down. You just have to improvise immediately, you know? So that your brain has to be working you know, really fast so that if it's a situation where you don't have enough time to think, consult people and carefully analyze the situation, you might not have enough time for that. For instance, the class situation I said, right? You have to just think up quickly because the world will never go as you planned. That is that from teaching. Well, as a writer, I've, I've stated one of the challenges you face. You'll be cheated most times, a lot of times. Let me not say most times. And you just pray you get the good people, right? There are there are people who, for lack of a better word, are nasty, right? They come, okay, I want this story written. I'll tell you one, this happens to me. She said she wanted a story about makeup to teach children respect. That was all she wanted. And everything I said, she rejected it. All the story ideas I kept bringing, she rejected. And when we finally settled on one, we faced problem with names of the characters. Like I kept providing names and names and names. And you know, she wasn't rejecting them politely. She was calling me names while at it. She rejected all the names I provided. Now, do you have any names you like? No, you come up with something. 
and I might have provided her up to 17 names, no kidding. And she rejected all of them. When we finally settled on something, we moved on to the title of the book. This is how we dragged and dragged and dragged and dragged. Oh, she came back several weeks later to call me names. Right. You know, if I hadn't um, written in other places and got um, some other good reviews, that would really deter me. It would really make me ask, whoa, am I really this crappy at writing? Right. This is another challenge you face. You going back to what I talked about people. It, there are people and maybe if you're nice that doesn't mean other people are going to be nice to you because you're nice i mean it's just like expecting uh, when uh, you tell expecting a, a, a leopard not to eat you because you wouldn't eat it or you didn't eat it you know people are not going to be the same way you are i mean even when you're being all nice they're going to be themselves why you have to keep being you some would actually take the story and tell you they don't like it so they're not going to pay that was how the first person cheated me i mean he came back with corrections we finished the correction settled it then he said i don't like the story i mean from all indications they went with the story and later i actually found out they shot it because it was a short uh, movie short script he actually blocked me on facebook blocked me on whatsapp forgot i have two facebook accounts he forgot i were friends on the second because i usually don't post from there i had actually created it for something then and i saw the trailer of the movie he posted it there so i would just say People will always be people, so you have to be you. Basically, you're saying that people will be mad. You're going yes! To- <laughs> <laughs> they are going to be, and you just have to find a way to, you know, understand that people no get sense, right? And they're going to be them. So you find a way to be you and try not to let who they are affect who you are your choices uh you know it's something i decided that i will never use a bad word on my clients no matter what happens usually i go for this flight or flight response if anything i just walk out of it with the money whatever i've done please can we just cancel this deal you know for my own sanity it's it of course you get to lose money you lose your time you lose something you might have worked for but you know in the end you find out that you're gaining more from it by having your sanity so it's another thing to consider i do this fruit jerky thing it's a a natural fruits dried fruits where you can have fruits all around the season and uh, i can't start listing stuff about it but the one challenge i faced there now this one is not really about people it's about the fruits you cannot control them either (laughs) of course they don't have a mind of their own but yeah they act in their own way. For instance, I use electricity and the last three times I've tried to work on banana, electricity disappointed me and I lost them. So of course you'll encounter losses. And you know, there's this thing with fruits where, of course we call them different names, like uh, this uh, Agbalumo, cherry. You'll say in Igbo, they say one, one is the sweet one, one is... The seller will swear to you that this is one. They'll even tell you if it's not, bring it back. Of course, you're not going to find them again. Oh, you buy them, you get home and ugh, you can't even eat it because it keeps slapping you. Or you, you get pineapple, they swear to you that this is queen. You know, they tell you this is Bielsa. Okay, the one you know, that one you know is Benue, but this one is Bielsa. Bielsa is just as good. All right, do I cut one open so that you taste it? Now, if you're a kind person, you get to feel bad. What if she cuts it open and I don't like it? You'll feel bad for having have her cut open something she's selling and you're not buying it because that's what I do and you end up, okay, taking it. 
when you when are you when are you taking oh, it really? Nicole, Nicole, sorry, sorry, Nicole, sorry to cut in, cut in here. Like for real, I think one of the reasons why I'm interjecting right now is because this happened to me like last week. I got food and I I have not been into any of the foods. Like I just caught some of them and I was just like, this isn't it. And I and I have doing? a very good mind to actually go back to the woman and tell her because she was giving me this oh it's from this one it's from this one it's from this state this kind of thing that uh-huh. you're talking about this uh-huh. is exactly what she said it happened it happened and then if you think because you would tell the people um, people you're selling things to the truth so other people should tell you that, oh my god you're in for I don't know the word but you must be new on earth because they are not going to you know someone once told me it's difficult to be a businessman in Nigeria and be a Christian because it's like you need to lie for you to make good gains that was his difference but it's not true but then you can control certain things so in in aspect I will cut up back to when I was in university I did this fruit salad, right? So because it was salad, I had this habit of always testing it just so I'll be sure of what I'm selling to people. So I always pop one into my mouth. I would rather run the loss than having a bad review. So of course, there are those who, because for I, this fruit, I, I actually... Yes? No, I wanted to say that I think you've learned to take chances. Oh, or yes. Also take guided chances. Because mm-hmm. I, I I didn't know in my heart of heart that I'm never going to go back to that woman. I know it. Like I like to eat smoothies in the house, but it's nothing. Like after I'm not joking. Down to mango, something as common as mango. Really, the yeah, mango wasn't memory. right. Something was wrong with it. Oh yeah, that one. And they, they they have this thing where they soak it or something. It's so cute with uh, some oh, chemical, and then it ripens under one night. Something that should, you know, take its natural course, brightening on the tree. Then they rush and pluck them, and you're forced to eat them. Or you try to throw them away. So you can, you can actually go back to her and tell her the the truth is for her to lie to you like that. She knew she was lying. So if you go back to her, you wouldn't care, right? Higher, she would just tell you, sorry, sorry. She's taking the money. She's not gonna give you back. If she's a kind person, she may. Of course, she knew she was lying. So there's literally nothing you can do about it except not going back to her. And in some cases, if you are in a crazy mood, you can actually stand there and ruin business for her afterwards. Well, a little bit of advice. When next you want to try this, go for very little. You know, it's like testing the waters, testing the waters, testing, testing, testing the waters. You know, just a little bit so you don't regret a lot. So when you already get it, you know, for like now, I know no one can cheat me with pineapples anymore. And one thing I'll cap off with, of course, when you're running a, a business, especially a small scale business, there is this tendency to not be accountable because course you're accountable to no one and it's a small scale most likely the capital also came from you there, there was something i learned from the session we had with tony last tony Lumelu last tuesday he said yeah it's your business no one questions you but you need to grow you need to have savings so place yourself on a salary you know if you're making good sales this month and let's say your salary is 50k of everything you make right this month you make really good sales and your gains might be amounting to 100 500k i'm just giving numbers here don't because yeah i made up to 500 let me increase my salary if you go to um, workplaces they don't do that 
right? So whatever you have on top, you put it through either growing the business or having your savings or making another investment, right? It's just an advice I'm throwing out there. You know, put yourself, I learned from that, you know, put yourself on salary. Even when you're making more, don't spend more, right? Have the particular, and if you need to take money from maybe your savings because it's urgent and you need money for something, you can borrow from yourself. Financial accountability to yourself. Of course, you can say no one is involved. It's not like I'm cheating anyone. It's my money. No, you're not just trying to make money. You're trying to have a system. And a system is not going to work if there is no accountability. That's what I wanted to wrap up with. Yeah, um, I think I read somewhere that um, like the advice was of business owners that you should, when you make money, you should split the money into three. One for yourself, one has to go back into the business and the other one should be for savings. So at the end of the like you said, it's okay, not so all the money spent. I think for me when when I when I was full on freelancing, even last year when I, I did a bit of freelancing with um work and everything, um one thing I, I, I had to mentally take note of was I would I would put take out 20% so what I was doing because I feel like the the issue with the Naira right now is that I wouldn't advise anyone to save just save I, I'm yeah. not I'm not really I'm not so enthusiastic about saving in Naira right now I'm, I'm all for if you can oh, afford yeah. it by dollars but saving just in Naira is uh is a bit tricky and then of course the Nigerian banks I don't really understand what is up with them but they are not um, the savings accounts that we have are not exactly saving the money or doing what I what I had hoped that they would do. Anything so what I had been doing, <laughs> that is the million dollar question. So, but um, what I did last what I did last year, I haven't done that much this year because I I made the, the mental decision to take a break from working. So from I think this this period has been the one time I've actually tried to do a bit of work. But um, since the beginning of the year, I was supposed to go on retreats late last year. I didn't go for it. So I decided to go on a work retreat as to like refusing to take work. So um, last year, what I did was I would take 20, 20 to 30% of whatever I end, no matter how much it is, no matter what, like no matter how much the gig is, I would take 20 to 30% of it to invest and i didn't even understand how much of uh, like how much of a financial success that was for me up until like till getting to the till end of the year i needed funds for something and i had tried getting like all my savings together and it wasn't really like it wasn't much and then i just remembered oh yes i've been doing this every time i get a job i take money because i i had this fintech app that allowed me to just buy um shares or units of shares online so i i can't exactly mention it but if you have a conversation after this i would definitely share it with you because they're not paying me for advice but point <laughs> is, um, <laughs> I, I would i was doing that and i was so consistent with it and getting to the end of the year i needed money and i had liquidated all the cash that i could get i could lay my hands on and um yeah I, I was moving to a different place and I, I needed that money and then i i remembered oh yes this investing i've been doing oh yes let's go and pick it up and i realized that there had been a lot of dividend there had been interest on different sides and i realized that the money i put in was seemed like it seemed oh 
20%. I remember the first time it was a very painful 20% because I felt like this mo- this work did not even bring that much money. So why would I give 20% of it? But because I had built it into a habit, okay. it became normal. So those small sums or seemingly small sums, by the time they had, they had stayed a while as an investment, like the app and like, and of course, I'd done a bit of research to know the kind of companies that would be good to invest in. So of course they yielded, some of them yielded, some of them didn't really have any good yield, but some of the, for the ones that yielded good interest, they did very well. And I realized I had made about 20%, 25%, I think more than what that I put in. I mean, I was returning the money. I was so happy. And I was telling myself, ah, you have sense, so you have so much sense. <laughs> 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 so, yes, I, I, totally, I totally agree that it's important that whatever... And because and, and I say this because the gigs, some of those gigs were about 10k watts. I was freelance writing. And like, like Nicole has said, sometimes those people sit down and just teach people they don't do any other thing so i feel like maybe on another on another episode we'll talk about the importance of royalties and gaining from what what you write and all of those things we might invite nicole again and have some other people or something like that i don't know i think knowing what i do know now i know that even just the conversation i've had consultations with for with people concerning their work and and work cultures and things like that it took me a while I, I used to have like a series of conversations people would just randomly oh i want to talk to you about this and i would have that conversation and i would not charge a dime and it took me a while to understand that that was a product i could sell oh, yeah. it took me a very long time probably because i've been doing it for friends you know that what we said about friends and, and family always spoil your business and you know that group mm-hmm. they were sitting down very well on that table so yeah, sorry to cut you short. I think yeah. we should put it out there. For business to grow, friends and family must pay for their services. It should be like every business mantra. For business to grow, friends and family yes. should pay for their services. And oh, I charge my mom to write for her. I mean, if I charge her, whom will I not charge? You see that table? That's a very heavy table. For real. And like, I think... It was my dad that when I wanted to do something for, and I told him that I have a price for family, a price for, <laughs> a price for general you, public. You know, my dad was yeah. like, ah, I said, no. At least be willing to pay. I could give you friends and family discounts, but be willing to pay. Don't mm-hmm. come to suck me off my living because they say we are friends. Yes, we're friends, but you're taking my time. And most times, these friends, of course, they're your friends. You'll be very thorough with their work. They'll take your time, they'll take your mental capacity. I'm talking from on the, um, the writing aspect. And then be willing to pay. I could discount, but be willing to pay. And have friends that support your business because there's also that part. Nicole, do you know I'd almost forgotten that you had actually published your book and I had bought the book. Like I just remember now. So like <laughs> conversations like this, you would find that oh okay, I have okay, for instance, now using my podcast, there are times when I send my friends links and I don't get any response. And then I just feel like, okay, maybe, maybe it wasn't exciting enough or something like that. And I leave it. And then I see my friends, the same friends 
supporting people who are like big shots and like they're big in the podcast industry. People that don't like, know them. The funny thing is that these are people don't know them. These people don't know them. Oh, oh the moment, Chris, you, the moment you become really big, the moment you become huge, you see them all clamoring around you. Hey, I know we used to be friends. And I just keep wondering. I just keep wondering. Wow, like. I, I've had a few friends, uh, a friend of mine, she's a doctor, and then she was doing this survey as to like, oh, health, the health sector, I think it was part of her, like, she's trying to get her, further her degree, so she was trying to get the survey, and we're not really friends, we're more like acquaintances at this time, and mm-hmm. she posted about it, and I came, and I took it, and I went, and I, and I took it to, I think, um, Nicole, you asked me, oh, that this, this, this is just restricted to your location, and I was like, please feel it. Don't, don't look at the location. It is like, and then she came back to me. That this acquaintance came back to me, and she was like, oh, that, that I, I posted about it. Hey, that you know, her friends have been asking her that why would they, why would she send it to her? Why would she send it to them and stuff like that? And I was just like, wow, wow. wow. Like those people are not her friends. <laughs> like they are not her friends at all. Because any you know, friend I, I mentioned earlier you know, about not having a lot of friends. Not like, I mean, on my WhatsApp, I have almost 1,000 contacts, right? But friends, you know, friends, I really play very thinly with that word. Before I call someone my friend, I must have known them, right? I have this thing where I happen to know things, where I hear things. I'm like an antenna. So I somehow know what people say about me when I'm not there. Somehow I know maybe from the way they talk. And most times I'm right. It makes me play very thin on that word, friendship. I don't call people my friends easily. And what I do, oh, you're sure you're my friend. I mean, when I published that book, a friend, she doesn't read. She actually bought it for a friend, her friend who reads. I mean, that speaks for itself. If come on something like sharing, sharing a link that costs you nothing, it's almost like people don't want to identify with you until you become a big shot. And I think that's another thing that affects building streams of income because one thing that your friend knows that you go to work every day or you do the night to in another business but having those friends that oh, okay this stream of income that you're trying to learn or trying to build is also they're also trying to support it i feel like that's another kind of conversation that we would have on our tribe um, episode because that is a full-length conversation i, I mean like okay, I, I, I feel like it's those kind of conversations you leave that is a whole all is a whole other conversation and I feel like we can't get tired of having that kind of conversation. Nonetheless, I'm grateful for this kind of conversation right now because it's really tiring to have friends that... I think for me, I am so particular about supporting my friends. It, it tires me out. It's just because of the fact that I feel that it is my responsibility to be there. But that's a whole other conversation, like I said. Um, I think some of the things I learned from you both is that um, definitely you will encounter losses. However, you want to do your business, they're going to be, especially at the learning phase, at the beginning phase, there are going to be losses. So, but um, beyond those losses, it's very important to do your research, know, and keep trying to get better. There is the need for resilience, and then there is streams of income that are sustainable that would that would help you access basic needs sometimes it might even beyond your own basic needs being able to support your family in one way or the other having of course we close up with financial accountability the need for financial accountability 
being able to monitor your income and um, put them, plug them back into the business, give yourself a salary or um, give yourself some sort of earning or um, what's the word, some sort of income from whatever you can, that is either savings or investing. For those of us living in there right now, please don't sleep, please invest. Go, go not put us to shame, very important. Um, so those are the those those are the things. I feel like we've said a whole lot. I didn't really expect that we'll stay this long, but it's been really exciting hearing uh-huh. you both speak. Do we do we want Sorry, to say one, one last word? I know Grace was trying to say something. Yeah. Um I so, think sure. something something I've learned is that not all clients are your clients. I think if you understand that, then um the way you value yourself would also be different. I um personally I don't think with the level I am now, like if I tell you my price and you say you want to um just maybe okay, this is expensive, you want to ridicule me and all that and I'll just tell you like I don't feel bad because I know that you're not my client. And I think that's where people get it wrong because sometimes it's good that you're hustling for money and all that. But I feel like you should place like a certain value on yourself. And somehow, somehow there's a way the universe will work out and you begin to have people that can actually afford your um, kind of services. And one thing I've noticed that even most people that, um, okay, maybe want to pay you small or belittle you, they are the ones, they are the clients that give the most headache. They'll be the one to stress you. Okay, I don't like it this way. I don't like it this. I'm like, man. So (laughs) (laughs) So it got so bad that even for my faculty, I stopped working for my faculty because I noticed, okay, they'll come, come and take pictures for us. And it will not take long. I'll pay you 10K. But when it's time to do like the big jobs, they'll prefer to go and carry somebody that has name to come and work for them and i had to tell i told them straight up i wouldn't work for you if i come to an event okay why are you going with your camera you didn't pay me what well, i gave you my price it was too much for you you don't expect me to come and be stressed when i was buying this camera my dear i did not buy it with words of mouth i bought it with money so if you're not ready to pay just forget about it then also um you also have to be like very wise when i started out Okay, I told you I did events and all that. The first major job I got, I went because I was not confident in myself. And like, I did not believe that, okay, the kind of work that I came, I could not even believe I could deliver. So I went with somebody or somebody that is like way my senior in the whole profession. And like, at the end of the day, the lady cheated me. In short, at the end, I had to use my own personal money to complete the work. So I feel like wisdom also has to like come in there. Like you also have to be very because very careful because even your colleagues too. Especially if you're somebody that gets good jobs with good pay, they'll want to do you dirty. That is it. I've worked with like two colleagues. I, okay, I feel at the end of the day that was like a blessing in disguise because I that's after the two encounters I had of supposedly people called my colleagues cheating me. I built this kind of confidence that now I can go into any job work i know that i can handle anything but then even in your workplace you have to like be very careful about your so-called colleagues because it's not everybody that is happy about how well you are doing exactly and to be frank these people are going to do anything to pull you down you know it's like they would rather see the big shots making it but why you you know ordinary carpenter's son why you i know her i mean you don't deserve it. That's the mentality. If I don't have it, that means you should not have it. That's the mentality these people have. 
that's a sad mentality a very sad and i don't know if i, I call, call it, it i call it the mindset. poverty mentality that's what i call it the poverty mentality that's what like once you begin to exhibit this kind of character i say you're a witch that's the only explanation that's a lot to unpack there's so many people who are always trying to take advantage of people ladies and gentlemen and those who love us it has been my greatest pleasure to have had you listen to and join us, Minifred Grace, and of course, Queen Rita, who couldn't be here with us, but did send her own recording. Thank you so much for being part of this episode. I think much of what I want to say has already been said again and again, but it's important to build multiple streams of income. It's important to understand passion, like Queen Rita said, and the placement of passion in whatever streams of income you're trying to build so that you don't just fizzle out because, oh, you need, it's based on financial need. It's important to understand that, yes, you have responsibilities. And sometimes, as Winifred has mentioned, you get to those times where you need you don't have the luxury of, oh, I, I maybe I, I will do this, maybe I won't do this. You just have to build those multiple streams of income because you're not you're not in that kind of position or environment that allows you to have a choice as to what you do and how you build your financial your financial security. And then if you're in that position also where at the end of the day, vision is what drives you like grace. That's also another beautiful and beautiful, beyond beautiful thing. Then you know that, it's be, that this is beyond you. And that also spurs you to know that, yes, this is the vision. But sometimes I need money to invest in the vision. Because at the end of the day, for every vision, there has, you, you have to have investors. Sometimes the investors might not necessarily be you. Sometimes it might be people in your community or people who are just random strangers, actually. At the end of the day, we believe that women should be given opportunities beyond sex or gender. We believe that people should have opportunities based on skills, based on their skill set, based on how far they've proven themselves. They shouldn't be limited. And it is, again, my greatest pleasure to call this to a close. Thank you again to Grace. Thank you. Winifred, thank you, Queen Rita, and thank you to myself. And this has been the Talking in Circles podcast with Fumi Richard.